Well, let's go to Ephesians chapter 6. This is a familiar place. I've got other scriptures I want to read, but we're going to start here. Ephesians chapter 6, about the armor of God. Uh, what I want to talk to you tonight is, is about dangers of spiritual warfare. There's some things that, you know, I've been thinking about all this preaching I've been doing about spirits and things, and I think we need to just stop and give some warnings about it so that, uh, you know, there's it's just necessary. We'll, I'll explain it in a little bit better here in a minute. But Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able, see there again, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. You know, God is everything, and without Him, we're nothing. But there's always this, this issue of our responsibility and, what, and our part. And we have something to do. We're responsible. That you may be able, you may be able to stand. There's things we've got to do. We can't just sit back and expect God to take care of everything and we just coast along. And you'll crash doing that. There's some things that we must do and that's why this is in here. Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God. You're to put it on. Yes, sir. All right, now, I think it's necessary to stop in the middle of all this that we've been talking about and give some warnings about the subject of spirits and spiritual warfare. First of all, because people are easily deceived and they're drawn to mysteries and mysterious mystical things. I've been around a long time. I see what people do. You know, I, I've, I've known some people that are just plumb crazy. Uh, they go off the rocker on things like this. And I don't want you to do that. And I don't want anybody that's listened to this to do that. I want you to understand the truth about this matter. And at the same time, stay within the bounds of truth and, and righteousness and what God has told us about this. I'm, I'm going to be real specific tonight about it and what God's showed us. As our responsibility, and how far we're supposed to go, and, and when we're where we're not supposed to go with it. So people are easily deceived, and they're drawn to mysterious, mystical things. They love them because they're superstitious. We must be very cautious when we deal with such important matters as this. You remember we talked about superstition, and I told you that it's the devil's substitute for faith, and how the devil deceives so many people with it because it's fascinating. I mean, it, it, boy, it perks your curiosity up. It's a mystery and you want to find out. It's just kind of in us. We seek for knowledge and it, it's, uh, it's to our detriment a lot of times. Another thing that I want to warn about that I think we ought to have warnings here is because 
of the different tendencies and weaknesses of people that we have to take into account. What I'm talking about here is people who've been influenced by superstition and superstitious people all their life, they're more prone to be tempted and tricked because of their unnatural interest and curiosity in these matters. People that have been around superstitious people or religious people who are really superstitious. Now see, if you've listened to me before, you know what I'm talking about there. There's a lot, are you saved or are you just superstitious? And a lot of religion is just superstition. And people that grow up in that, and it can be Baptist, it can be Pentecost. Man, I've seen some Baptists who was, took the cake on superstition and craziness. Independent Baptists, yes sir. King James Independent Baptist, superstitious and crazy as they, as they come. I told you about the guy that asked me when I walked in the church if I'd ever seen a werewolf, remember? That that was some kind of church. I don't know that it was a church. I think it's a bunch of superstitious uh, nuts is what I think. Another thing is uh, all people, all of us here, have been programmed by the world by watching the TV and the movies and all of reading the stories and all of that. We've been programmed by the world to believe certain things and have crazy ideas about spirits and spiritual matters. Ghosts and and what's all... What's that the other word? They, there's another word for ghosts, kind of. There's a, there are different things, you know, but I can't think of it. Well, that's, that's the hillbilly word for them, but... But people have a lot of crazy ideas in their mind. And I would guarantee you that you sitting here tonight probably got some too. You've watched them and you've listened to them all your life and everybody believes it and everybody talks about it. And so you've got this preconceived idea in your mind about spirits. Uh, Jerry was telling me yesterday about going out to Arizona or New Mexico to the Navajo Indians and with a missionary out there and, and how he said that he noticed it in front of their houses. They had this little round building <clears throat> and he asked about it and the missionary explained to him that the Indians believed that the spirits followed them home when they went somewhere. And so before they would go in their house, they'd go in that little building and walk around and around and around and they thought it confused the spirits and then they'd come out and go in their house and it left them in the little hut all confused, see. We laugh about that, but you wouldn't believe what people believe and think about spirits. And so when the preacher starts talking about spirits and reading out of the Bible to you and and we and, I, and I'm telling you that that's where the battle's at. It's in the spiritual realm, and that's, that's an evil spirit saying this to you or that. And and I don't want you to go off in la la land with all that superstitious nonsense that the world's got. And so there's a danger of it because you've been programmed by the movies you've seen and the stories you've been told and all of that. So you got to unlearn all that stuff and you need to learn what God says about him. I've learned that what I mean when I speak a lot of times is not always what people hear sitting in the pew right there. I've learned that. <laughs> and I've also been made aware that how people will take something that I said and go a total different direction with it than what I meant. 
for them to understand. So that's what I'm trying to prevent here tonight. So there needs to be some clarification and warning about discerning spirits and resisting evil in the spiritual realm. Now the Word of God instructs us to try the spirits and to discern whether they are of God or not. First John chapter 4 verse 1. We've read this different times through this already, but it says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. So that's very plain right there. God says for us to try the spirits, not to believe every spirit, but to try the spirits. To see whether they are of God. Whether they are of God or not. That is as far as we're to go. Delving into the spirits and, uh, and what they are and who they are and all of this. That is as far as we're to go with investigating and looking into evil spirits. That's all our responsibility is as a child of God. Is to recognize whether they're of God or not. We're not to try to seek out any more understanding or knowledge of their working, their authorities, their different manifestations, anything like that. You know, I've told you about a preacher that I knew years ago, and that's what he did. He got obsessed with demons and spirits, and he was an evangelist. And all of a sudden, every meeting he went to, there was a demon-possessed person there that he would single out and get to the altar, and then him and his wife would get on each side of him with a notepad and start asking the devils to tell them their name and who's the Lord over you and what's and trying to find out all the ranks and, and authority and order of authority in the, in the evil kingdom of spirits. Well, you know what happened to them? Well, their family blew all to pieces. Divorce. Their kids all messed up, naturally. You don't do that. That is not what God commands us to do. That is against what God wants us to do. I'm going to say these things. Any curiosity or seeking to know more about these spirits than to identify them is entering into the occult. You're messing with the occult. Mm -hmm. That's right. Anything more than just knowing whether they're of God or not. Mm -hmm. Is that God telling me that? Is that God suggesting that to my mind? That's all we got. That's spiritual warfare right there for the Christian. That's it. Recognize the enemy. Identify the enemy. That's all. Mm -hmm. Identify the spirit, whether it's of God or not. To seek help or power or control or gain from the knowledge of spiritual things is evil in itself. And that's exactly what witches do and diviners do. That's what necromancers do. People who talk to the dead say they talk to the dead. That's the basic motive behind all the spiritual evil things the Bible specifically forbids and deems as evil and abomination. They're seeking power. They're seeking some kind of control or ability to control others. They're seeking some kind of benefit for themselves from their knowledge of the spiritual world. That's evil. What would you hope to gain by delving into evil spirits and knowing more about them? Being fascinated with them. 
And you say, well, you're just saying we don't know anybody's doing that. Yeah, you do. There's people all around here that they're using essential oils to pray because it changes the frequencies and gets the right frequencies going so when you pray, you can... That is rank spiritualism evil and witchcraft. That's what it is. But they equate it with Christian prayer. Deceived. See, that's what I'm talking about. You're looking for some kind of aid, physical aid or spiritual aid. You're looking for some kind of power to play with. Something to make you a better Christian. You don't need anything. And and anything that you try is going to come down on you. I mean, it's it's evil. Evil spirits will take advantage of your inordinate interest in them to deceive you through your lust for knowledge in this matter. I'm saying evil spirits will take advantage of your interest and curiosity to... And through your lust for knowledge, just like they deceive and trap you with your lust in other matters. The enticement of the devil was in the garden. It's always this way. The enticement of the devil always involves knowing something that's hidden from you. It's what the devil did to Eve in the garden. That's what he always does. In every sin that men commit, that's an element in the beginning of the temptation. The devil tells you there's something that you don't have, that you could have, that you ought to have, but there's just certain people that's keeping you from it. Mm -hmm. It's always there like that. Think about it. So that's what we're talking about here. If you've got a desire to to delve into this evil spiritual thing and, and, and know where they're at and understand how they're working and all of that in this world. It's them putting that... I mean, they're playing with your mind for you to have that desire. And it's them that are encouraging you to that. Isn't that crazy? While you're wanting to know more about them, it's them that are enticing you. When you allow your curiosity to be excited about knowing more about them, it opens a door for them into your soul. Just like drugs do. Just like drinking does. Just like a fornication does. It opens your soul. I mean, it, the wall is down. It's like we talked about last week. He that ruleth not his own spirit. If, he, if you don't rule your own spirit, you're like a city without walls. That is broken down without walls. We only need to identify the spirits that are not of God and resist them. And their influence. Resist them. If you have no moral compass concerning the things of this world and the flesh, you'll be blind to spiritual wickedness also. You understand what I'm saying to you? If you're one of these people that just can't figure out what's right and wrong in just normal everyday living in the flesh here, then you're not, I mean, you are way short of being able to discern the spirits and what's evil and what's good. I mean, if you can't sit down and read the Word of God and accept as truth what it says about right and wrong concerning things of the flesh that are plainly and specifically named, you, you, you're not going to have any spiritual discernment either. 
Y'all getting what I'm saying to you? I know I'm saying a lot of words, and I don't know if you're keeping up with me here, but if you don't know what's right and wrong in this daily living, and you're all confused about that, and you can't get settled on that, you better not even, I mean, <laughs> you're in big trouble when it comes to spiritual things. Because spiritual good and spiritual evil are defined from the same law of God. Mm-hmm. Good's good, evil's evil. In the spiritual realm, in the physical realm. Same thing. It's what God says. Spiritual evil approves wickedness and condemns righteousness outright. Or it disregards righteousness. Or it discredits righteousness. Or it devalues righteousness. That's what spiritual evil does. So did you ever hear anybody talk like that? And say they're a Christian? It's all over the place now. Don't matter. I mean, don't matter how you dress. Don't matter how you live. Don't matter if you drink or not. Don't matter if you smoke weed or not. Don't matter if you cuss or not. That's spiritual evil. Yes, sir. So those people that don't see anything wrong with anything, how are they going to discern any spirit at all, whether it's of God or not? They've reinvented God for themselves to where He's okay with anything. So how are they going to identify any spirit that's trying to mess with them? They're captives of the devil. That's what they are. Spiritual evil will focus on you. Here's what I'm saying. Spiritual evil will focus on you and what you need and what you think and what you desire and all of that and urge it as being of supreme importance. While putting aside what God says about any matter. I mean, you are what matters. Your happiness. Your self-esteem. What you need. I mean, what about you? You need. That's the devil talking to you. That's right. Yes. Spiritual evil always focuses on you. Isn't that what the devil did when he came to Eve in the garden? You can always go back to that. I mean, that's the classic, I mean, one, two, three example of how the devil works. He's never changed his methods. He does it the same way with you. He's done it in the past. He'll do it in the future with you and with me the same way. He'll come at us the same way. He's on our side. He's for us. He's there to show us what we're missing and what we need and how mistreated we are and deprived we are by God and everybody else. It's an evil Spirit that causes you to focus on and desire something that's forbidden. I've told you that. I've tried to stress that through this. That voice that you hear urging you in your mind, that that voice that's arguing with you in your mind about what's right and wrong or encouraging you towards something, trying to justify something in your mind that you have been taught is wrong, you know is wrong, but still there's this debate going on inside of you. That's evil. That's an evil spirit dealing with you. Mm-hmm. He'll cause you to focus on and desire something that's forbidden. <clears throat> an evil spirit takes advantage of a natural desire and encourages you to seek its satisfaction in a way other than what God has designed and commanded. I'm saying a truckload of stuff here. Giving you a lot of information that is true here. He'll take advantage of your natural desire. And his method is to try to get you to satisfy that desire in a way that God has not designed for. One tree. Just one tree. 
That's all God said. Of all the trees of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the midst of the garden thou shalt not eat of it. And so the devil, what does he focus on? That tree. Eve, she wasn't paying no attention to it until the devil come along and said, what about that? Why can't you have that? It ain't going to hurt you. I mean, you're not going to die. An evil spirit will urge you to have your desires now and not to wait. You know, I've told you before, lust says I must have it and I must have it now. Well, lust says I must have it. Lust is a desire. We read this morning there where Jesus said to his disciples, with desire I have desired to eat this supper with you. That's the same word as lust in James chapter 1. It's a desire, a natural desire. And the Spirit of God will speak peace to your spirit and encourage you to be satisfied with all the many blessings that you already have. Try that spirit. That's of God. Listen to it. Listen to that spirit. If it's of God, He'll encourage you to be patient and wait. The devil will say, no, no, now. You've got to have it now. Do it now. Why wait? And the Spirit of God will encourage patience for you to wait and to deny yourself until God provides the proper opportunity. Galatians chapter 5, verse 5. For we, through the Spirit, wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. Through the Spirit, we through the Spirit, capital S, that's the Spirit of God, wait. So what does the Spirit of God, what does He encourage you to do? What does He suggest to you to do? Wait. The evil spirits will say, don't wait. You're wasting time. I mean, you might die tomorrow. You might not. This may be your only chance. You better do it. Put on the whole armor of God. Now, the whole armor doesn't include intellectual wrangling with or about spiritual powers. There's nothing in the armor of God that tells you to, how to think about it and reason about it and study about it and all that. Nothing there. The whole armor of God doesn't include intellectual stuff. The whole armor of God has to do with the things of God and not ourselves. Our intellect is no match for evil spiritual powers. And any attempt on our part to resist them in the power of our reasoning or deeper knowledge of them will only result in our defeat and being taken captive by them. Y'all listening? You can't outsmart them. You hear me? You can't outsmart them. God tells us what to do. What are we supposed to do? Resist the devil and he will flee from you. What are we supposed to do with, like, fornication? Flee fornication. Flee youthful lust. That's an option, too. And that's not just an option. That's what God tells us to do. Things that are beyond our control, that are stronger than we can resist, run! That's part of, of a good fight, a good soldier. He who fight and run away lived to fight another day. <laughs> I mean, you've got to learn. That's part of being a soldier. Sometimes you've got to retreat. Get out of there. Are you going to die? So what do you do? How do you deal with these spirits? You don't try to outsmart them. You don't try to know more about them. Think about it. How much do you want to know about the drug trade around here and who's involved in it and who's dealing with who? And I mean, how much you want to know? And why do you want to know it? And what do you think will happen to you if you get to knowing too much? And then you're going to mess with evil spirits? Right. 
you know, you're in for big trouble. They'll get you. You're not smart enough for them. You're not strong enough for them. You've got to rely on what God has given us. The protection, the means of protection, the way to deal with it. He's told us how to do it. Here, put on the whole armor of God. There are parts of the armor of God that the Bible instructs us to have to be able to stand against these evil powers. And, and I'll just run through them real quick here. We'll be done. Let me just say them real quick. Here's what they are. Truth, righteousness, preparation, faith, salvation, and prayer. That's the armor of God. Truth, righteousness, preparation, faith, salvation, and prayer. That's how you resist. That's how you are able to resist. Truth. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 14. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. Having your loins girt about. What is that referring to? Your body. It is referring to what you are clothed with. And I don't mean a cotton shirt and, and Levi jeans. And all, that ain't, no, it's what, it's what you are clothed with. What do people see? I mean, what, did, what is it that's covering you? Protecting your body. Having your loins girt about is referring to what you're clothed with. It covers and protects your body from the enemy. Truth. Truth. Having your loins girt about with truth. Buy the truth, sell it not. And it ain't your truth. It's God's truth. It ain't somebody else's truth. It ain't a mixture. Everybody don't make up their own truth. The truth is the truth. And you got to be clothed with it. It has to cover you. I mean, it has to wrap around you. It has to be stout enough to protect you from the enemy. It covers and protects your body from the enemy. And you're able to withstand. Then righteousness. There at the last part of that verse it says, And having on the breastplate of righteousness. Ephesians 6.14 Breastplate covers and protects what? <laughs> well, your heart and your lungs. It protects that. If you get hit... You got a breastplate that stops the fiery darts of the devil from getting into your heart, getting into your breathing apparatus. Preparation, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 15. And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Well, here's what I think that means. It means like 2 Timothy 2.15. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Instead of coming to church and having a pep rally and say, Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Let's all just repeat these 7-Eleven songs and let's just worship and praise and, and then go home. Now what you need to do is come to church and learn the Word of God. You need to go home and study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the Word of truth. Having our feet shod. Well, you're, how you like going barefooted? I mean, never mind you women and you girls. You go around barefooted all the time. Poor Alyssa's always got her toes banged up. And I said, put on some shoes. You do that, you stop doing that. I wear shoes. And if I don't have shoes, I'm crippled. Not in the house, on the carpet, that's fine. But if I have to go outside. Now, when I was a little bitty kid, I remember running down the creek bed and on the rocks barefooted and didn't hurt a bit. But I, not now. Having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. 
How far can you go? How hard can you fight? How tough are you with no shoes on? No, you're crippled, man. You're grounded. You are done for. You're vulnerable. Well, what is your, what is your shoes? Part of your armor. It's, they're part of your armor. But what is it? The preparation. Preparation. Don't go off half-cocked. Study to show thyself approved. Study what? All about demons and demonology? No. Study about God and truth. Study about the Spirit of God. The Spirit of truth, which is the Holy Spirit of God. Know all you can know about that. Look and search and dig in your Bible for that. Having our feet shod so that we can go over any terrain to carry the gospel and fight the enemy or flee from him. What if you have to flee and you're barefooted and they're, they got on boots? Guess what? You're going to get caught. To not be shod means to be barefooted and therefore slowed down and greatly handicapped for movement or battle. Faith. Verse 16. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. A shield is something that you can move around and put in front of you or beside you when you're getting shot at. You got on a breastplate. You got your loins girded. Got on your shoes. Got on the helmet we're going to talk about in a minute. But you don't just stand out there with that and say, go ahead and shoot at me. (laughs) What if you're missing one piece of your armor? Guess where he's going to get you? I mean, if he's wanting to kill you, what's he going to aim at? The place that isn't protected. So therefore, put on the whole armor of God. Don't leave none of it off. You need truth. You need righteousness. You need faith. You need preparation. The shield is to stop anything that is hurled at you with the intention of injuring or killing you. I don't guess little girls play like this, but we little boys do. They used to. I don't know about these this new these new little boys, but we always had a shield, man. We had a gun. It was always a gun or a slingshot or something to throw stuff at somebody else. And we had a shield, you know. I mean, that was the deal. A trash can lid makes a good shield. A board with a rope on the back of it. I mean, <laughs> somebody throw a rock at you, put a shield up. Ha <laughs> ha! Didn't hurt me. Well, a soldier has a shield. And the shield is to stop what is hurled at you. You know things are being hurled at you, don't you? I mean, life's full of that stuff. There's things in life, just like we were talking about a while ago, like losing your spouse, your loved one, or all kinds of things, people's insults and injuries and injustices they do and their lies and false accusations against you. You can't stand it if you ain't got your shield of faith. I mean, they just knock you down. Faith will deliver you from the attacks of devils and ungodly people. The shield of faith. Now, a lot of people, that's all they got. That's all they think they have. And really, they don't even have that if they don't have truth and they don't have righteousness and they don't have anything else. Then they don't really have faith that is a shield. A lot of people have this faith that don't do much for them. 
The only way it works is in a real positive, upbeat pep rally at church. Then they go, oh, that's fine. But boy, when the, when the things come a flying and hit them, their faith was non-functional. Salvation, verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation and the, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. All right? I, I kind of left that out. Right, let me put them both together there. But salvation, Word of God, and prayer. Take the helmet of salvation. The helmet protects what? Your head. Your, head. Your mind. That part of us where the evil spiritual powers attack every time. That's where the battlefield's at. That's where they attack. You need the helmet of salvation. You better really be saved. You better really belong to God. You better really have been born again. Or you are wide open to the spiritual evil. The powers of the darkness of this world. You are wide open to them. You're defenseless. The helmet protects our head, our mind, that part of us where the evil spiritual powers attack. True salvation is what protects our mind. Oh my. And makes it possible for us to keep the devil out of our mind. True salvation. He's not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of a and power and a sound mind. Amen. You want to get your mind straightened out? Get saved. Then the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. you got to have a weapon. Yes. <laughs> what is our weapon against the spiritual evil powers? What did Jesus use? The Word of God. Word of God. Every time. When the devil was tempting him in the wilderness 40 days, every time the devil came at him, what did the devil come at him with? The Word of God. Yes, he did. And Jesus answered him with the word of God. You know, you have two guys sword fighting. One of them don't have a sword and the other one's got a, a baseball bat. No, they both got a sword. And the one that knows how to use it the best wins. Most skillful. <laughs> what is your weapon against evil spirits? The word of God. So you got to know it. You have to possess it. It's your sword. If you don't know it, if you don't understand it, if you don't rightly divide it, if you don't have that preparation of the gospel of peace, then you, you're, I mean, you're disarmed. Now you got all the armor, and you can, but you can't defend yourself. You can't go on the offensive because you're always on. You're just defending yourselves all, ducking and dodging and putting up your shield and getting hit in the head, but. Shaking it off. And I don't want to fight like that. No. <laughs> and then prayer. Prayer in verse 18. Now listen to what it says real carefully. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching. Now I told you, what is it? What are we supposed to watch? Watch what? The sunset? Watch the birds and the trees and wonder at God's wonderful creation. Is that what we're supposed to be watching? We're supposed to be watching what's going on in here. Watching what's trying to approach you and put my, uh, thoughts in your mind. Watch. Watch what's going on in your mind. Gird up the loins of your mind. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Watch there. Put a guard up. Praying always. 
with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. We're all in this together. We're an army. We're not each man for himself. We're not all on our own. We're supposed to be praying for one another. That's right. yes, sir. Watching one another's backs. Mm-hmm. It ain't much of an army and they're not going to get very far if every man just for himself. And if he don't do something, if he sees uh, the enemy coming at one of his fellow soldiers and he just watches it happen or turns his back, he's not much of a soldier. And they're not going to win in the end. These are our clear instructions from the Word of God concerning evil spirits and how to deal with them. We have plenty to learn about and know about God and what He's provided for us. My, you, you can never learn at all. Why, why go to the darkness? There's absolutely no need for us to seek to know more about the enemy or the darkness. We ought to seek to know more about God and righteousness and truth and not the things of darkness. If we fight the good fight of faith, we will not become superstitious and fascinated with the lies of devils and the fantasies of those who are captive of them. Bigfoot and UFOs and the abominable snowman and all this stuff will not fascinate you. Aliens from outer space, you won't sit around and wonder. I just wonder now. I just don't see how it couldn't be. If we fight the good fight of faith, we'll simply seek to know whether the spirits that are suggesting and speaking things to our mind are of God or not. That ought to be, that's the way you do battle. That's the way it is every day. It ought to be that way. You ought to be on guard all the time in your mind about what's going on in there. Has has somebody sneaked past the gate? If he has, cast him out. Yes, sir. If we fight the good fight of faith, we'll simply seek to know whether the spirits are of God or not. We're to walk in the light and be the light of this world. You ain't supposed to walk in darkness. If you do, you're lost. That's what the Bible says. You're not, a, you're not really a child of God. If you, if you say that you know Him and you walk in darkness, you're a liar. Yep. Sorry. That's what the Bible says. Yep, yep, yep. You ain't walk in darkness. What do I care about the darkness? I once was darkness, but now I'm light. Yes. He, he translated me from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of His dear Son. Yes, amen. I was one of those people that sat in darkness and saw a great light. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We're to walk in the light and be the light of this world. You understand what that verse said right there? For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. To who? To everybody else. That's 2 Corinthians 4, 6. 1 Peter 2, 9. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation. Y'all have heard this verse a lot of times, haven't you? I have too. No telling. Thousands of times probably that I've read it, heard it, thought of it. But when I read it in the light of all this... It's, uh, it tells me something different. It, but you're a chosen generation, royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him. Y'all know what it says, don't you? Who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Called you out of there. What are you doing? Wanting to poke around in it some more. 
Why would you allow that curiosity to arise in you? No, no, no. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8 through 12 says, For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. Spirits. Well, I hope that'll help you a little bit. I'm telling you, just be careful with all of this. It is true. Everything we've said about this, and there's a lot more to say. Oh, my goodness. But just be on guard. The devil's tricky. You fool with the devil, and he'll, he'll win against you. You go to messing around with him. We are to recognize him and resist him. And we win doing that. You go any farther than that, and you're going to lose. I know all about him I need to know. He's a devil. He's evil. He's a destroyer. And he's out to destroy me. He's out to deceive me. And so the less that I have to do with him, the safer I am. And the safer you are. The closer I get to God, if I draw nigh to God, he'll draw nigh to me. And that's what we need to do. Don't be fascinated with superstitious nonsense. Be fascinated with God and righteousness and the fact that the Spirit of God dwells in us. And He's real. And He works. And He bears witness with our spirit. Amen. Father, thank You. Thank You for the truth of the Word of God. Please bless our hearts and minds now. And help us, Lord. I pray You'd teach this to every heart. Help each one to understand. Me also. Pray you'd go with us now. Guide and direct our lives. Help us, Lord, to be that light. And uh, keep us safe from the wiles of the devil. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.